speak for Pathfinder's Day. And you know, slowly but surely, we're going to start having adventures in Pathfinder's Days and Pathfinder's at Adventures Days, so we're going to start to do things together. Anyone here familiar with Pathfinders? I see some hands. I see some hands not raised. So Pathfinders is a youth group that was started um, in the early 1900s, somewhere around 1930, 1940. I was doing the research. And the idea behind Pathfinders is, is to develop young people spiritually, mentally, and physically. So we see children as a threefold thing, or young people, right? They're not children anymore because they're blossom, blossoming into young adults. And so we give them tools in order to develop them going forward. Um, so you will see badges and we learn about all kinds of cool stuff. Um, some of them I can remember and some of them I still can't, I, I can't remember because they're way in the past. But there's many skills that I developed in Pathfinders that I still uh, have today, right? So if you want to sit down and talk knot tying, I can talk knot tying for days. Matter of fact, my wife recently bought me a knot tying book and I was excited for it. Um, but everything from first aid to nature honors, cats, mammals, dogs, stars, uh, to camping skills, Pathfinders focuses on all of that and then it has this strong spiritual element because the end result is we want to develop service. Amen? Amen. And so this club is a hybrid between University Church and Lansing Spanish. Um, so EL, East Lansing, LS, Lansing Spanish uh, combined, and we have a club. And we sat down and we developed goals for the club last year, and we're marching towards those goals. Now, I would say... I've had the distinct pleasure, we have some people who could make it today, but we're seeing these young people blossom. You know, I, I, you don't quite get the appreciation where you see kids initially come in and they're terrified to speak in front of public, they're terrified to, to, to sing in front of a group of people, you know, to the point where Someone whispers to me, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and eventually, that is the leadership group of our church today. You know, if you have young people, I encourage you to find a Pathfinder Club somewhere, anywhere to get them involved. I have to also say I was thoroughly blessed by the special music today, right on you have two what appears to be polar opposites, right? You raised me up so I can stand on mountains. You raised me up so I can walk on seas. And I'm thoroughly blessed because I run with Connor and he's an amazing guy. Amen. And so I had to give Connor a hug. I'm like, dude, I, I've been blessed. And then on the other side you have, God is raising us up to do all this great stuff. 
and it seems like it's the polar opposite, I am a servant. But ultimately, the greatest thing that we can do is be a servant for Jesus Christ. I am going to pray silently and then do corporate prayer, and then we will jump into the message for today. I am going to be cognizant of time because I know we have a jam-packed day, and I, I want to be respectful of that. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us the opportunity to do great things, and you've called us to do great things. But we understand the most and the greatest thing that we can do is dedicate time to your cause and be a servant. Lord, as I speak this morning, I ask that you allow everyone to hear what they need to hear to touch their lives so they won't be the same when they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. In keeping with the pastoral theme, we will be thumbing over to the book of Job. And we're going to tie Job together with Pathfindering uh, this morning. It's, it was tricky. <laughs> it was tricky. Um, so the Pathfinders just did a skit. And it says, I am, I have been sent. And they talk about different walks of life. And they said, I have been sent. And I'm going to add something into the I have been sent that seems somewhat counterintuitive, right? I have been sent to experience pain, to endure long, uh, to be long-suffering so I can be a light to others so they can see how powerful God is at the end of circumstances. See, when we say we have been sent, right, we, we typically think I have been sent to do great stuff, right? There's nothing wrong with being nurses and doctors and lawyers and IT people and teachers and you name it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But part of what God has sent us here for is to be dedicated to the mission. Amen. And that, ded that, that dedication to the mission is an important part of who we are. When we say, I am a servant, right? What does a servant mean, right? I, I think we use the term, I am a servant, but we don't understand what servant means, right? So we look it up in a dictionary, and a servant is a person who performs duties for others, especially a person employed in a house or a domestic duty as a personal attendant. But when you unpack being a servant from the biblical perspective, I am a servant is I 
am a slave. Or you're recognizing that, right? Make me a servant. Make me a slave, Lord, is really what the, the kids are saying this morning. And if you look through the Bible, the concept of being a slave was echoed consistently by the patriots and prophets throughout the Bible. You know, Moses, the servant. Joshua, the servant of the Lord, has died. Daniel, the heathens, referred to him as a servant. Now, you know, that's a pretty powerful dude. When they look at him and go, he is the servant of God. He's exemplifying something that is amazing. Paul is a servant. And today, where we'll pause just a little bit in the book of Job, I thought is probably the highest compliment. Jesus turns and calls Job, in Job 1, a servant. Have you considered my servant Job? Now, the, the concept of slavery, right, it's... A, it's Counterintuitive, right? We understand slavery in America, and it's a, it's a totally different concept, right? You know, slavery was a group of people that was bought against their will to do work, right? And, you know, we understand it from the context of blacks and Native Americans once were slaves in this country, and it was a lack of freedom. But biblical slavery is different. It's not slavery by force but it's slavery by choice. See, the idea is when you became a slave, you were free from sin. Does that make sense? So when the Bible says, now the Lord in his spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So when you accept God, you're in the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. Or those if therefore the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So in order to be free, you become what? A slave. It's counterintuitive, right? But it comes from borrowing from the Old Testament. Slaves would work for a period of time, and then they could leave. They were indentured service, then they could leave. They can go free on the seventh year. But some of them loved their masters so much, they opted into slavery. Job 1. As you open up your Bibles to Job 1, you see the mindset of the ancient world ringing true. You see Job was a man where he lived, right? So where you came from was important. I'm reading in Job 1. He came from the land of us. And then the Bible jumps into some character stuff. I submit to you this morning, being a servant is all about character. It's not what you do. It's who you are. So Job, using New King James Version, 
the old King James Version said, perfect. New King James Version says, blameless. So he's a good character, upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. So now we understand the attributes that are necessary to be a servant. And then it marches on and it lists all of his possessions. And then the deeds that he did, right? So he owned tons of cattle and sheep and donkeys and you name it. And then Job is an interesting guy. He said, look, I'm doing sacrifices. I wake up every morning, and when some of us wake up when we do our devotion, he's like, no, I'm waking up, and I'm doing sacrifices. Not just for me. I'm sacrificing for the whole family. And so the idea is, we understand that he's dedicated. Everything in his life is secondary to the cause of God. Job separated himself from sin, and we get later on that Satan attacks uh, Job, right? He approaches God, and there's a meeting in heaven. I remember studying this out with an old-timer. You know, I'm going to say old-timer, right? He was about 40 when he sat down and spoke to me. I'm 40 now, right? So I guess I'm an old-timer now. <laughs> and he said, how do you know that there was other worlds? And we looked at the book of Job, and we unpacked that there has to be life in other places because of the book of Job. Tangential point. But Satan then says, he brings in a theological argument. Who has ever heard, if you obey God, bad things don't happen to you? You've heard that before, right? Here it is. Satan approaches God because he's a good guy. God is bragging about Job, right? Job isn't saying anything. There's a new thing out there where Job was self-righteous. But no, here it is. God is saying Job is a good guy. And Lucifer, the father of lies, brings in a theology called recompensation theology. You are giving things to Job. because of what Job gives to you. So Job is only following you because what you gave to him. It's almost like if you have candy and you throw it out there and there's kids following you, they don't talk to you otherwise, but you give them candy and they talk to you because you have candy, well, that's how we are. And we understand, obviously, at the end of the story, that that isn't the case of Job, right? We understand that Job is restored and he held on and he remained consistent. A couple of things I pointed out in this, I want to point out in the story that uh, jumped out to me. All of the things that happened with Job. How many times does Satan present himself outside of the first couple books of the book of Job? You ever thought about that? It disappears. Everything else is circumstances has happened and Job is managing and coping and working through his relationship with God. The utterance that Job has, Job 42. 
verse 14, as was read in both Spanish and English. Wrong place, sorry. We have, though you serve me, though you slay me, yet I will serve you. So I'm going to leave, not finish, because I'm going to go back to Pathfinders in a second. Quote from Ellen White. Sometimes we have the best intentions. And it says, our plans are not always God's plans. Right? I'm sure Job prayed and said, Lord, make this stop. She says, he may see it that it is best for us and for his cause to refuse our very best intentions. As he did in the case of David, but of one thing we must be assured, he will bless and use in the advancement of his cause those who sincerely devote themselves and all they have to his glory. If he sees it best not to grant their wishes, he will counterbalance the refusal by giving them tokens of his love and entrusting to them another service. In the case of Job, there's little rays of light that exist throughout the book where God is showing that he loves Job. When you have a circumstance in your life when things are rough, are you seeing that God loves you? Are you able to spot and identify him? In his loving care and interest for us, often he who understands us best, then we understand ourselves, refuse to permit us to, selfish, to selfishly seek the gratification of our own ambition, but he does not permit us to pass by the homely but sacred duties. Often these duties afford that they're very essential to prepare us for a higher work, Often our plans fail, so God's plans succeed. We are never called to make up a real sacrifice for God. Many things he asks us to yield to him. But in doing this, we are but giving up what hinders us in a heavenward way. Even when called upon to surrender those things which in themselves are good. We may be sure that God is thus working out for some for us, some higher good. In the future life, the mysteries that here have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and disappointments and hopes have been among our greatest blessings. We are allowed to look upon every duty, however humble, as sacred. It is part of God's service. Job was a servant. Pathfindering is about developing servants. When we sat down and we formed this club, we were few in number. We developed goals for the clubs with spiritual development and helping the kids 
have a closer work with Jesus, a walk with Jesus, helping them understand nature, helping them understand that being a pathfinder is not just about what you get. It is about taking some of the stuff that we're doing and moving it out of the club and attracting others to come in and see what we have for Christ. Some of these kids that are sitting in this room collected canned goods and donated to food banks. Some of these kids in this room went out around Christmas time and gave toys and delivered toys for the less fortunate. And may I throw out, many of the people that we went and visited had kids. And their kids want to come to church now at University Church. Make me a servant. Read with me. The Pathfinder Pledge says, read with me. By the grace of God, I will be pure, kind, and true. I will keep the Pathfinder law. I'll be a servant to God and a friend to man. What I'm going to point out to you is, being a servant to God and a friend to man, the criteria behind that is given by the two bullet points above. Are you following me? In order to be pure, kind, and true, and to be, and to follow the uh, pathfinder law, is how we are servants to God and a friend to man. Are you following me? And if you look at the attributes that Job had in the beginning of the book of Job, right? He avoided evil and he avoided evil. Um, what's that? He feared God. He avoided evil. He eschewed evil and he was perfect by following the law. Not just on paper, but on our heart, takes us well down that road. And so, we are developing kids by God's grace that will be hearty. Dare I say, gritty. And so the hope and the prayer that I have for, for both our pathfinders here today and everyone who's hearing is, though bad things may happen, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. Anyone here struggles with bad things happening? Work, home, I know I do. I see some, some, someone smiling and nodding. I, I struggle with it. You think you're doing everything right. And bam, something happens. You start having problems at work. Something breaks in the house or 
you're evicted or whatever the case may be. That happens to anyone. Read the story of Job. Read the story of Job. I encourage you to do that. Thank you.